0: The South Carolina State Senate is set to take up the issue of medical marijuana when the legislative session begins in January, and it's an issue that is gaining traction all over the state. Hello, everyone. Justin Hall here. We've discussed it before right here on the Palmetto Family Matters podcast. You can go back and listen to every episode wherever you get your podcast. But today, Mitch, we're joined by a special guest here in our studio to discuss medical marijuana and marijuana in general in the state of South Carolina. Yeah,
1: Justin, uh, there's a lot happening right now in the South Carolina State Senate, and uh, I think it's important for those listening to the Palmetto Family Matters podcast to know exactly what the issues are, what you need to know about those issues, what the Bible says about them, and what you can do about them. That's our formula here at Palmetto Family Council, and we want to bring the people to the table that know what they're talking about. I think that's extremely important for us, Justin, and those of you listening right now, for us to have the people at the table who are informed, who are... Uh, know what's going on, know what you need to know, and then can tell you exactly what you need to be doing on the ground. Today, I am so grateful that we're joined by Chief Keel. He is the chief of the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division, also known as SLED. And uh, Chief Keel, great to have you on the Palmetto Family Matters podcast today. Glad
2: to be on. Glad to be with you.
1: Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, we're, we're just going to jump right into this because I think one of the things that we've been talking about on the uh, podcast here in regard to medical marijuana is just how many people, um, I, I hate to say it this way, but don't know exactly what the issues are. And then we hear a lot of conflation of information. Um, you know, it, it, as I was talking uh, with a friend earlier today, sometimes we can be looking at the same set of facts or the same set of numbers and get two totally different stories out of that. But I think it's important important for us to put faces with the names. We could talk about all the numbers and uh, all the names and things like that. Can you share with us some of the stories or a story, if you will, about how you've seen marijuana as the gateway drug to the opioid epidemic that we're facing, not just here in South Carolina, but as a nation?
2: Well, I I don't think it's just the, uh, you know, we've talked about it being a gateway drug, but, but we talk about it being a pathway drug. Um, you know, I started my law enforcement career in 1976 working for Arnsburg County Sheriff's Department. The first job I had was actually enrolled in Hunter Kinder High School in Norway and was buying narcotics, was buying uh, marijuana primarily because it was a problem in that high school. In 1979, I went to work with SLED, and for the first two and a half years at SLED, all I did was work undercover narcotics. I was buying uh, drugs from drug dealers on the street every day. I got to go in people's homes and I got to see exactly what was going on with people that were using drugs and was using marijuana. And you know, everybody I talked to in my in my career now, this, uh, this this month is my 44th year in law enforcement. Wow. And every single person that I've ever talked to about a drug problem Every single one of them started with marijuana. Mm. They didn't start with cocaine. They didn't start with heroin. They certainly didn't start with fentanyl because it's, it's very very new. But every single person that I talked to began smoking a little pot, mm-hmm. and they thought, well, you know, this will be okay, and they end up going on to something else. And so that's been my experience. Like I say, I've been in people's homes, and I've seen the children that are not being cared for appropriately because a mom and dad are high on marijuana. And are smoking marijuana, uh, folks is not going to work because they can't get up in the morning after they've been smoking marijuana, and um, and so that's been my experience with it, and that's why I've been so vocal about speaking out against this medical marijuana uh, legislation. Wow.
0: So, Chief, let's try to draw the line here because the numbers were just released across the country, and in our state specifically, we've seen the number of opioid-related overdoses increase; they've tripled. Right, it's tripled, and so trying to draw some sort of line or connector between marijuana use and opioid abuse. You mentioned it as the pathway drug, and again, you mentioned fentanyl, fairly new, right, uh, compared to when you started back in the '70s. So, Correct. how can how can we begin to draw the connection between marijuana use to that pathway that it takes?
2: Well, the only thing I, I would say is, and I, I look at the numbers, and you know, one of the things that I've been astounded about because there's so many false narratives that's been put out there with regard to marijuana in general, but medical marijuana especially. The false narrative now is that, you know, medical marijuana can be the key to stopping opioid addiction. But when I look at the numbers, the CDC National Center for Health Statistics estimated that 100,306 opioid deaths or OD deaths in the U.S., during the 12-month period ending April the uh, 2021, that's 28% more than that same time period the year before. 28% went from a 78,000 to over 100,000 during that same time period, and so we got 37, 38 states now that have some form of legal marijuana. You know, if there was a real connection there, uh, wouldn't you think the the opioid deaths would be coming down. You would think. During that same period of time, 20,000 additional opioid deaths from the year before. So the connection I see is is that, uh, again, what we're seeing is we're seeing more states allowing marijuana. We're seeing more opioid deaths. We're seeing more overdose deaths in general. So obvious to, to me, and I'm a pretty simple guy, but it doesn't appear to me that uh, medical marijuana is the is the answer to the opioid problem.
1: Well, speaking of false narratives or those narratives that are being pushed by those out there in this line that we're drawing between marijuana and the opioid epidemic or the opioid crisis that we're facing. You know, as I've looked at this, and once again, I'm a really simple guy. I'm no scholar by any means, but marijuana is naturally addictive. I mean, so when we talk about how much marijuana a person is going to be able to get, whether that's regulated by a government agency or anything like that, they're going to want more at some point. And so as they want more and they can't get it, they're going to go to a street pharmacist or somebody on the street who's going to give it to them. Then they're going to have to graduate to something else because the, the high will will not last as long, and and once again, I'm way oversimplifying this. It's obvious. It's obvious that as we see the proliferation of marijuana nationwide, but yes, here in South Carolina, naturally we see this pathway toward the use of illicit drugs that starts with just a, as I've heard it, just a little bit of pot. It's not really sure. that big of a deal. No, it really is a big deal. It really is a big deal. Because what we're talking about is this isn't the pot of the 1970s and 80s. Mm-hmm. The pot that we're seeing now, uh, Major Frank O'Neill with SLED has talked with us on several ca- occasions about this, that the, the stuff that we're seeing now is exponentially stronger. Uh, we're seeing uh, cases where it's 99% more uh, effective, I guess, in creating a high than the the Stuff that the, many of the guys, the hippies in the 70s and 80s and even 60s, smoked. So there's a lot to be said about that. Tell us, uh, Chief, what are some of the codes or uh, laws currently on the books that classify uh, marijuana as an illegal substance?
2: Well, again, South Carolina law is a, in Title 44, is where our drug laws are at. And of course, 4453 370 is what the statute, the primary statute in South Carolina, talks about. Uh, all drugs, and, to include marijuana. Of course, there's federal statutes with regards to, uh, to uh, illegal uh, substances. Uh, the Controlled Substance Act uh, schedules drugs. Marijuana is a Schedule One controlled substance uh, that they uh, still say, you know, does not have a, a positive medical purpose. Um, you know, there's a lot of debate about that, obviously. But nevertheless, those are the laws that are on the books today, and it's our job to enforce those laws, and and that's what uh, we continue to do today. So I think that's
1: extremely important for those listening right now. There are currently laws on the books. There are laws that uh, make sure that we take care of those in our system. There are laws stating that uh, marijuana is an illegal substance and we need to make sure that we're obeying the law as it's been given to us. And, And I think it's important for those listening to understand what that looks like. So, if if we see proliferation of marijuana continue and and right now it's under the guise of medical marijuana and you know we don't know what's going to happen four or five years from now but we know that there is a trend nationally once a state has opened the door to medical marijuana within four to five years many of these states have moved toward recreational use
0: well for for example in colorado heroin overdose has gone up 856% in the last 14 years.
1: That's significant.
0: And Colorado, as we all know, is kind of the epicenter. You sure. watch the map. We put this together. We're still working on this. But you if you put together a map of the legalization of medicinal, then to recreational marijuana throughout the country, it, for lack of a better term, it's like a green wave, just wow. crisscrossing the state from coast to coast. So, you again, know, it's that pathway, Chief, that you've been talking yeah, about. You
2: know, like say, Colorado passed medical marijuana in 2000 in 2014. 20- uh, 12, they legalized marijuana. They started selling in 2014, and getting back to the whole op- opioid issue, 933% increase in opioid deaths in Denver since they legalized marijuana. Oh. 756% increase in opioid deaths uh, with, in, in the state of Colorado. So, and you tell me that that state is is probably has more marijuana legally being sold in any other state. But look at what's happened to opioid deaths. So it's hard for anybody to try and convince me that, again, uh, the legalization of marijuana, whether it's medical or recreational, does not have an impact on overall uh, overdose deaths in our country.
1: There's no doubt about it. I, I believe there's a clear line and correlation between the two. Let's let's move to something else because I think we need to be uh, fiscally responsible and good stewards of the resources that God has given us. I think that's extremely important. You know, as, as we look at the 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 way government functions and that sort of thing. Another issue is the growth of government and what would be required in the passage of a medical marijuana bill in regards to the growth of government. I think that's significant. And that's another part. We still don't know. We've seen some things scored on this, but we still don't know the full extent of the fiscal impact on this. What in in your estimation or in your eyes, as you see this chief, what are some of the fiscal impacts or the, maybe we should say it this way. What are some of the, growths in government required to
2: meet the needs of a bill like this? Mitch, that's going to be interesting to see. Um, To be quite frank, uh, most of the states that have passed either medical or recreational marijuana uh, have not not financed the regulation of those of of either medical or or recreational marijuana. I happen to be president of a national organization of, of leaders such as myself, and, you know, they all tell me, they said, Chief you know, it cannot be regulated. That's why so many states have gone, they've started out with medical marijuana and they end up going to recreational marijuana because they just simply cannot regulate it. You know, if you look on the West Coast right now, California, Oregon, Washington, they say that sixty to seventy percent of the marijuana that's being sold is illegal. My goodness. That it's not being regulated at all by anybody, by government, except being sold in dispensaries that are not regulated, that are not licensed by the states that they, that they legalized it. So we really don't know what that will be. If you look at the legislation, the legislation uh, doesn't talk about um, a whole lot of dollars for regulation. And on top of that, you know, they put regulation for the biggest part of it at Department of Health and Environmental Control Department of Health and Environmental Control already has so many so many different areas that they're regulating, and they're going to dump this on them on top of that. And again, if you look at it, uh, look at the legislation. It doesn't appear to me that uh, the funding is is appropriate there to, to even try and, and, and regulate it. And you know, I'm not saying, but I know in some states, I think that's been part of the plan is to again not not fund it to the point that it needs to be to be, be regulated appropriately.
1: If you could talk through this, what would that require on SLED's behalf for y'all to be able to enforce this? Well,
2: we have no idea, but I can mm-hmm. just tell you that uh, what we see in, again, in other states is we see this proliferation of, uh, of more businesses. We see these growth centers. You know, the statute says that if a, a cultivation center grows more than what they can sell, that they have to destroy it. Well, that's not what we're seeing in other states. We're seeing it being, uh, email, uh, being uh, sent by UPS, FedEx, or, uh, or US, U.S. Postal Service to South Carolina, and because uh, we're interdicting a lot of that very high-quality marijuana that's being grown in, in those states is coming straight to South Carolina. So uh, those are things that would have to be you know you would have to stand up your, a regulatory body to be able to go in and check and make sure that those things were done the cultivation centers the dispensaries the processing centers to see that it wasn't going out out the back door
0: it, it's hard to answer this totally because we haven't seen it yet but should this should this pass and medicinal marijuana becomes a thing in South Carolina how does this affect policing how does this affect the work that police officers are going to have to do every every day we we still have where recreational use would not be allowed but medical use would be allowed even though in South Carolina law it's not how how would that affect police officers jobs day to day
2: well I will just say uh, two things I guess Uh, first off you know we can look at this bill as a medical marijuana bill but quite frankly I look at it with you know proponents of this bill talk about how strictly regulated it is. We don't see that. And quite frankly, it's going to allow anyone who's over 21 years old and some younger uh, with parents' permission to be able to get a medical marijuana card and go out and smoke pot. The bottom line is that uh, what we've seen in other states, the demographic that has the most medical marijuana card holders are that demographic of 18 to 35-year-old males. That's the healthiest demographic in our society. But yet 90% of those people are the ones that have medical marijuana cards for uh, chronic pain. Now, I don't, you know, I don't quite understand that if that's the healthiest demographic in our society. The second thing I would say is this, is that we are, uh, law enforcement today, we're in, a, we're in a, a crisis. I had a conversation just the other day with uh, with some members of the legislature. Law enforcement is in a crisis right now because of hiring and retention, trying to get people to come to work to do this job. As I reported in June of last year and gave the final numbers here in September, we've seen a 22.9% increase in murders in South Carolina from 2019 to 2020. We've seen a 52% increase in murders in South Carolina over the last five years. Aggravated assaults were up 11% this year as well. And I can tell you from looking at the numbers, much of this violent crime is fueled by drugs and gangs. And so how does it help that we are talking about passing more laws that allow more people with drugs on our streets and make our, our communities more violent and less safe?
1: So I'll say this right out of the gate. Thank you, Chief, for your service to the state of South Carolina and SLED over all these years. I'm grateful for you and all the men and women who stand on that thin blue line every day and serve and protect the people of South Carolina. I'll say this also. In light of all the statistics, facts, and figures that you just gave us, I think we ought to be giving you not just more money but more of our support as a whole, as society, because we need men and women just like yourself to serve and protect on a daily basis. And we need to be promoting, defending and supporting those men and women in, in cities and towns and counties across the state of South Carolina who are standing in the gap and serving and protecting and defending us. Chief, thank you so much for being on Palmetto Family Matters today. Thank
2: you. Glad to be here.
0: Thank you chief and again if you want to listen to any of our podcasts you can do so wherever you get your podcast Apple, Spotify, wherever you need them, they're there. They're also available on the Palmetto Family Council app. On the app you can also connect with your state senator and representative. You can follow legislation, you can stay up to date with everything going on inside the State House on the inside the State House feature. We're going to have the facts and figures that we use today on this podcast, they will be available on our website. If you go to palmettofamily.org slash marijuana, that will be the epicenter for us as we try to keep you updated and informed on everything going on with this debate. That also includes, by the way, Chief Keel's article that he wrote for us in the Palmetto Family Matters magazine. Which that you is you can pick up. You can pick that up as well, but that, that article is available on that page as well. And again, we'll include some figures from DHEC. We've got some new numbers that we're going to be running and putting those out here in the coming days. Thanks again for listening to the Palmetto Family Matters Podcast. For Mitch Prosser, I'm Justin Hall. We'll talk to you again on Friday.